0: This morning's text of scripture comes from Acts of the Apostles. We're continuing this sermon series this spring in Acts. And the text this morning is a wonderful story of mission in the early church. It comes to us from the eighth chapter of Acts, beginning with the 26th verse. I invite you to listen for God's word. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is Wilderness Road. So he got up and he went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth the eunuch said to philip about whom may i ask you does the prophet say this about himself or someone else And then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we come to this hour to receive a word from you. And in this season of isolation, we look forward to what you have to say to us. So speak to us now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, a friend of mine tells of a pastor many centuries ago who was really fond of riding horses, and he had a great and fond attachment to his own horse in particular. At times, members of the church would call on the pastor only to find that he was out riding his horse somewhere, when he might have been in his study or visiting members of the congregation or in some way serving the needs of the church. Now, the Protestant work ethic being what it is and being what it was in those days in particular, the pastor decided that he would name his horse Church Business. That way, any time a parishioner stopped by the church and found the pastor was gone, he could honestly say, I was out on church business I can honestly say your pastors are out on church business but it's not that we've renamed our homes church business these days are some of the most demanding but also some of the most energizing years in ministry I've ever experienced for example Here are some travel plans that Lynn and I are beginning to make for our upcoming Memorial Weekend. Okay, I'm just kidding. I don't know what humor works actually in this online presence. You know, recently I received an email from one of our members who shared these words. I've never in my 38 years here seen San Marino Community Church work so hard Seeing all of the staff grapple with a new form of worship over the last week seems to clarify one's theology even more, at least mine, she wrote. She's one of the many people who are phoning others to check in on them in this season. She's also on the prayer team, but she says the Connect team has energized her, and it's literally connecting with hundreds of our members and friends to ensure that we're caring for those in need in our own congregation. We've even delivered groceries to some of them. I have to tell you, as we grapple with church business, it is truly encouraging to get your emails and your notes and your phone calls supporting our team's efforts as we continue to worship together from this sanctuary and from our fellowship hall in your homes. Thanks for your encouragement. Thank you for expressions of appreciation. Thank you for participating in our worship life each week. Thank you for the support of our diaper drive, our clothing drive, our efforts to restock food shelves, all the ways you've been supporting our efforts to reach out to those who are experiencing homelessness. And most of all, for your support of our worship life together. This text in Acts of the Apostles about the church business that Philip was about, it tells the story of an encounter in the early church that led to a baptism and the expansion of the church. The action is directed entirely by the Holy Spirit that begins by telling Philip to get up and go. Go on the road to Gaza. There he meets this exotic character from Ethiopia who's reading a scriptural text from Isaiah about the suffering servant. But he's reading it without understanding. Philip interprets the text demonstrating that the life of Jesus gives meaning to the scripture. And the story is something of a blueprint, really, for Christian mission. The Lord Jesus is recognized in the scriptures and the sacraments. And there's a convergence of interpretation here. Jesus is revealed in the scriptures, and the scriptures are revealed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's something of a parallel scripturally to this story. It's that of the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. When Jesus walks along another road and he encounters two discouraged and rather confused disciples in a post-resurrection appearance in the Gospel of Luke, he stays for dinner at their invitation, and the guest then becomes the host, and Jesus is revealed in the breaking of the bread the other sacrament of the church, the Lord's Supper, or Holy Communion. In the Emmaus Road story, it's about the Lord's Supper. In this story, on another road to Gaza, it's about baptism. Luke wants us to know that Jesus is revealed to his followers in the sacraments and in the scriptures as we walk along the road and make our way along the journey of faith and life. Two pilgrimages are envisioned here on this road to salvation. We're to get up and go. First of all, on a spiritual walk through the scripture. And secondly, we're to journey towards those who are struggling with finding meaning in it all. We are each to become some kind of an instrument in God's own hands, directed towards a destination that we may not understand at the time. But if we're faithful and we're obedient, it will be clear to us in time. My friend uh, Rex McDaniel, who's the former pastor at the Calvary Presbyterian Church in South Pasadena, has a favorite saying. He says, really, Jesus has given us two commands, come and go. I think that captures a little bit of the sense of these two pilgrimages that we're called upon to engage in. One, you have to come to the Lord in worship and with attention to the scriptures listening for God's voice. A pilgrimage of learning and understanding. But then, we have to get up and go. We have to go towards those who are struggling to understand what God is doing through Jesus Christ. It leads to a new kind of entrance for people into the believing community. Here's an Ethiopian who receives faith, is baptized, and he goes back to his home to begin church business, if you will, there. The point is the good news is spreading far and wide, directed by the Spirit of God, using instruments like Philip, instruments like you and me in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Have you ever felt that you were directed somehow by the Spirit of the Lord? Maybe you've had an encounter that was just kind of weirdly coincidental, so coincidental perhaps that you could only describe it as providential. I can tell you on many occasions I've arrived in a hospital room or arrived at a family's home or arrived in a conversation at just the right moment. Somehow all the mundane, ordinary things of life converged that day my schedule and attitude, traffic lights and the elevator in the hospital and the interactions with others. But in some way, by God's design, I was there at just the right time. I was where I needed to be. I'll bet you've had that experience too at some point in your life. You phoned somebody who was on your heart and mind and at that moment they needed you. You reached out because you felt an inclination in your own spirit and you discovered that that inclination was God directing you. That was Philip's experience on that day long ago. We don't really know very much about Philip. He appears a few times in the story. He was a bit of a small character in this larger drama that was unfolding. We're probably much more aware of the baptism in chapter 10 of Acts where Peter is the one who baptizes the Gentile, Cornelius the centurion, and his entire family. But here is this lesser-known disciple, Philip, and he's used by God to spread the gospel to the Ethiopians. Now, I think it's probably safe to say that this language may be something of a euphemism in the first century for people of color, those who were black from Africa in the first century. This text underscores the universality of the gospel, that the gospel is for everyone, everywhere. You know, this week I'm supposed to be, I was supposed to be in Princeton, New Jersey, for a board of trustees meeting and the commencement of Princeton Theological Seminary We were going to award the degrees to our seminary graduates and celebrate at that time the naming of a new library on the seminary campus. Now commencement was postponed due to the pandemic and the board meeting will in fact take place, but it'll be a conference call. And we've postponed the naming of the new library, but eventually we will name that library And we'll name the library after the very first African-American graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary. And it turns out that Theodore Sedgwick Wright was the first African-American to graduate from any seminary in this country back in 1829. He was an African-American abolitionist and the minister who was active in New York City, where he led the first colored Presbyterian church as its second pastor in Harlem. In 1833, he became a founding member of the American Anti-Slavery Society. Now, the church, while doing church business, has not always been as inclusive as it needs to be. We have to own that history. Apparently, the early church was much more inclusive than churches have been along the way. But the church has also been at the forefront of embracing all people as children of the same God and creating educational opportunities and health care and faith communities all over the world. The church has sometimes led the way in crossing boundaries of race And ethnicity and language and culture, creating bridges, creating consensus across all that separates us from one another. We're celebrating that by naming this library Theodore Sedgwick Wright. Here in our own San Gabriel Presbytery in Southern California, Every Sunday morning, we have something like 10 different languages in which Presbyterian worship is spoken. That's church business directed by the Holy Spirit. That's communities of faith coming together and being sent out towards those who struggle with meaning in life and faith those who don't have enough for themselves and those they love. The love of God in Jesus Christ cuts across every divide, every border, every boundary. As Peter will confess in chapter 10, quote, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, But in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. End quote. Here's my point this morning God is at work in the world, and we're invited to be part of church business, of all that the Holy Spirit is up to in our own time. Doesn't matter whether you're Peter or Philip doesn't matter whether you're a Martha or a Mary or a Simeon or an Anna. You have a role to play in this unfolding drama of salvation too. This story in Acts is our story. It's your story and it's my story. And there are no insignificant roles to be played here. You and I get to play an outsized role of influence. We're not just bit players in this drama. You can be the one who shows up in someone's life at the just right time with a word of encouragement, with clarification about some aspect of faith, with a kindness that you and you alone can provide. It might be somebody in your own family. It might be some foreigner here in our church. It might be some person in your neighborhood down the block. Who knows, somebody next weekend might be wearing your jacket that you've donated on a cold night or eating your canned goods with their family that speaks a different language than you do. There are no insignificant roles here. Let the Spirit of the Lord direct you to. Begin the two pilgrimages, walking along the road of learning the Scriptures and discipleship, letting the Scriptures interpret Jesus and letting Jesus interpret the Scriptures for you. And then secondly, moving towards those who are struggling with meaning and with life. You have to get up and go. Many of you know that in February of this year, my mother died after a long seven-year decline with Alzheimer's disease. My father died 26 years earlier, And at that time, my mother had to face a difficult decision. She was relatively young at the time of my father's death, and she decided when it comes to the past and the present and the future, you can only really live in the present and toward the future. You can't live in the past. It's not possible to live in the past. You have to get on with your life. As difficult as that can be sometimes. My mother eventually remarried and had 17 years with my stepfather until his death. Get up and go. The Lord said to Philip, There's no living in the past. Get on the road to Gaza begin the pilgrimage of faith, both of them. The church can't live in the past either. We're making it up every week here at the church. The old way of worshiping, you know, it's no longer available to us right now. But we trust that the Lord will meet us on this road as we walk along, and there are some amazing surprises that await us when we engage together in church business. Whatever role you play in the church, it's not insignificant. You can reflect the light and the love and the grace of our God, and God intends to use you in someone else's life to light their path, to lighten their burden. Christ is made known to us when we journey along the road. So let's decide together to live in the present and for the sake of the future of the church and of our own lives, trusting that the Spirit is leading us and that there will be some wonderful surprises along this road. Thanks be to God. Amen.